This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks very much for spending part of your day with us. It appears that Time Incorporated, which is the parent of the Signature Magazine, as well as Sports Illustrated and Forbes, will be sold to Meredith Corporation. And the deal, obviously, will still have to pass through uh, a variety of hoops to get done. Still, there are concerns of the potential changes of reporting standards, amongst other possibilities, due in part to the financial support in the deal of conservative billionaires, the Koch brothers. And this is still an industry that is reeling from lower publication and sales numbers over the last decade. To discuss the potential sale of time to Meredith, we are joined on the phone by uh, Bill Gruskin, who is a professor at Columbia's School of Journalism. He's also a former managing editor of uh, WSJ.com of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Also joining us, Stephen Bloom, journalism professor at the University of Iowa, and also Rick Edmonds, media business analyst at the Pointer Institute. Gentlemen, great to have you all with us today. Thank you for your time. Happy to be here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you all. Uh, Your reaction to to the reports of this sale? Rick, I'll start with you. Uh, It actually makes a lot of financial sense when you look uh, into it. Meredith is a very strong performer. Uh, among magazine companies, uh, time is actually bigger, but uh, but not as strong. So um, you know they have the heft to do that. I, I certainly do think the uh, the headline is the headline, which is uh, what happens to Time Magazine and uh, will it uh, uh, prosper? Will it remain uh, free of uh, interference? There's some reason I think uh, I'm always an optimist that might happen. Bill, but, uh, I think. It's very much a sign of the times that Meredith has demonstrated in terms of its uh, ability to control costs and and to keep titles going, that they're a pretty good operator of magazines, but it doesn't take away from the fact that the print magazine business is, is in a world of trouble these days. And, you know, let's hope that Meredith can do a better job with those titles than Time did. Stephen? Uh, I think it's a real interesting, curious um uh, acquisition. Um, uh, I'm in Iowa. I know Meredith very well. Meredith's slogan is Meredith knows women. Um, they don't really even have a shallow bench in journalism. There's really nothing uh, journalistic. What uh, what we would consider very serious journalistic, what they do in the business is service journalism. Um, their offerings are magazines like Family Circle, Family Fun, Midwest Living, My Wedding, Parent Shape. There's really no news that uh, Meredith uh, does in its magazines. Um, now, this might be good because it, it's going to broaden Meredith's uh, saturation, and it's going to make Meredith uh, a stronger contender in an area that they've never done, which is news. Well, and, and Rick, I, I guess when you look at the, the concern of, and in this industry, it's seemingly almost a monthly concern of whether or not a broadcast or a publishing entity is going to be losing jobs. I don't know if, if you know, with Stephen's background on this and, and the background of Meredith, I don't know if they can afford to to have a lot of jobs lost when you think about Time and Sports Illustrated uh, moving forward just because of the 
the different kind of uh, pattern that uh, that the two companies have had in terms of what they cover and how they cover it. Yeah, Meredith has said that it will consider selling some of the titles, and uh, as as uh, Bill and Stephen say, you know, maybe that means. Um, uh, spinning out time, maybe not. I think a, a, a little footnote, though, here, uh, and I don't Stephen Bill disagree if you do, but part of what they, they really covet uh, in, in buying time is people. And um, people isn't exactly uh, hard-hitting journalism, but it is the, the most successful, most profitable magazine, and its audience is 70% women. So they're you know, building on their franchise of, uh, of uh, women. Bill? Uh, I mean, I would agree. People is uh, still very profitable, not as profitable as it used to be, but by comparison to a lot of the other time titles, quite profitable. And and I actually think journalistically, what they do, they do quite well. When I was at the Wall Street Journal, our uh, page one editor used to grab a copy of People every week and, and read it cover to cover because <laughs> uh, because actually they do a pretty good job of. Uh, verifying and confirming what they do is contrasted to some other gossip or celebrity magazines. Well, it, it was it was interesting, gentlemen, that uh, yesterday uh, we had Walter Isaacson uh, here on uh, campus, uh, the former editor of Time, and I had the chance to ask him about this sale, and here was Walter's reaction. What Meredith brings is a lot of really good, glossy like magazines like Family Circle and Better Homes and Garden that appeal to families and also have a women, uh, you know, female readership that still work very well in paper. I worry mostly about Time Magazine, Fortune, and to some extent Sports Illustrated. They don't fit into that mix as well. So I guess the question, uh, Stephen, is when you look at at those entities, could uh, Sports Illustrated or Fortune uh, potentially be an element that could be sold off? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with Mr. Isaacson. You know, I, I happened to look this morning at Midwest Living, I got a pneumonia shot at the doctor's office, and um, everyone always seems to be having a great time in Midwest Living as well as in every single magazine that Meredith puts out. Everyone's smiling. Uh, I know that's the nature of service magazines, um, but everyone's always uh, having a blast. And, you know, that isn't really how news is or ought to be portrayed. You know, if you look at Time magazine, they're not a whole bunch of smiling faces. They're not models. This is, these are real people experiencing real life in their own time. So I think that people uh, fits much more um, symmetrically mm-hmm. into uh, Meredith's menu than the other magazines, certainly. Bill? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't quite see how you have one Uber editor who, who kind of brings these all together um but it looks to me like from some of the the reporting that's been been done since the deal was announced that they see a lot of savings they can do in some of the the back office operations whether it's hr accounting the circulation that kind of thing and and you know time was noted you know several decades ago not so much these days for its uh lavish spending habits um and so i suspect i don't know how many uh, Time Inc. editors are going to be moving to 
Des Moines, Iowa um, anytime soon, but certainly <laughs> Meredith has demonstrated its ability to extract a lot of cost out of the equation and thus keep these magazines profitable. Well, Bill, you, as I mentioned, were at WallStreetJournal.com, WSJ.com, right. and I was at Wall Street Journal Radio, and I think we overlapped uh, because I, I remember – I remember the time that uh, the Murdoch family took over, uh, yeah. and what was the what was the change, or if you saw it when the Murdoch family came in to to run that operation from your end? I mean, the changes were quite dramatic and quite quick. the The deal was announced in the summer of two thousand seven and closed right before the end of the year. Uh, Marcus Broccoli uh, had been named the new managing editor, succeeding Paul Steiger, the very successful. Uh, predecessor, uh, and he lasted until I believe April of 2008, when he was uh, he. It was portrayed as a, a resignation, but nevertheless, he was he he was out the door um, mm-hmm. basically overnight. And there was at the time an editorial integrity committee that had been set up of five uh, people who were supposed to guard the integrity, particularly in, in, in terms of changes in the the uh, top editorial ranks. But they turned out to have zero power whatsoever. Um, they basically kind of, uh, they happened to find out about it after the deal was done. They exerted no oversight whatsoever, and they continued then, and I assume continue now to collect their $100,000 a year paychecks to meet a few times a year. So how how do you view what, uh, what the Wall Street Journal has become in the last few years since the Murdoch family took over? Uh, I mean, that's probably grist for a, a two-hour program, but, um, <laughs> but I, I would say, I mean, clearly, look, at I think, on the one hand, Murdoch has injected a lot of resources into the newspaper that the previous owners, the Bancrofts, I mean, it, it was a public company, but the Bancrofts had a controlling share. The Bancrofts had shown no interest in doing, and I think um, uh, a lot of those have, have been to the good. I think uh, the journal had the benefit also of having an, an online subscription model dating back to the um, the old days of 1995 and 1996. So, so that's provided a cushion as well. But there's clearly been some shift in the editorial focus, uh, um, especially in terms of general news. And some would argue, I don't totally agree, that there's been some shift in the political leaning of the news side. The the editorial pages very conservative, but that's been true for 100 years, and so I don't think anybody can read too much into that. We are joined on the phone by Bill Gruskin of uh, Columbia University, Stephen Bloom of the University of Iowa, Rick Edmonds of the Pointer Institute. Uh, we are talking about the uh, the deal uh, in which Meredith is set to buy time. 844-WHARTON is the number for you to join in with your comments or your questions, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio111. BIZ Radio 111 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney 21. Rick, it's something that we have talked about with you before, but I think it bears visiting back again is the fact that we're not only seeing a variety of shifts within the media culture in general, but as part of that shift, we have you know people like Jeff Bezos, who by the Washington Post, Carlos Slim, very invested in, in the New York Times, and now we're talking about Meredith with the backing of the Koch brothers uh, that that are are, are getting right. involved with Time. Where, where I mean, this is a shift yeah, that let's, let's not forget Warren Buffett bought uh, and, about sixty papers a while ago. Yep. Um, yeah, I, it's it's fascinating and. Um, I, I sometimes use the term uh, benevolent billionaires as, as uh, 
who is coming into the uh, business, at least one of the forces. Uh, some of them are more benevolent than others. Um, and uh, it's possible that the, the Koch brothers uh, regard this as mostly an investment. And in fact, um, I hate to say this, but Carlos Slim and Warren Buffett both made out like bandits in those transactions because they were loaning money at a very high rate, yeah. uh, in a way sort of saving the New York Times from a possible cash crunch. And um, in the case of, of uh, Buffett buying a distressed uh, company's newspapers. And uh, the Koch brothers, I read the filings, I read the, uh, the disclosure this week, they're going to be paid 8.5% interest. They have uh, uh, option of preferred stock, assuming uh, Meredith and the combined company do well. So the notion that uh, nobody in his right mind would would invest in a magazine uh, group at this point, I, I'm not sure that holds up when you consider some of those financial factors. Um, I, I would say, say, and you know, maybe we're going to shift to this, that there are two particular concerns about time. They've had a huge uh, exodus of talent, including their top two editors, Nancy Gibson, uh, Rashika Jones, and many of their best-known columnists and, and uh, cover story writers. Yeah. So there's a there's a rebuilding job to do there. And then the second part is they're just, uh, I think, sort of through bad luck and regime changes, they just are not all that good at digital. And uh, that's a really uh, bad combination headed into the future. Stephen? Okay. So I, I don't think Meredith is very good at digital either. Um, <laughs> you know, Meredith represents Des Moines. You gotta re- you, your listeners have to realize a couple of things about Des Moines. It is a tiny town. It's the capital of the state, but it only has 215,000 people. It's the largest city in the state. It's the 71st largest TV market. You know, it's, it's sort of sandwiched between Green Bay and Wichita in terms of, <laughs> of its TV market. It's about 100 miles west of Mississippi. There's not even a nonstop flight between New York City and Des Moines. It is, um, you know, and and this this is where Meredith has been since uh, 1924 with its first magazine. I think it was called Fruit Garden and Home Magazine, which ultimately became uh, Home and Gardens. Um, it is not a uh, they, they put it a very good product. It's not digitally savvy. It has nothing to do with news. Um, so it, it's a curious connection. And I think it's a fascinating connection. I'm not sure whether they will want to tackle news. News is ornery and difficult, and um, you can't plan news out. Most of these magazines are planned out six to eight months in advance. Bill? Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I mean, I, I, I would agree it requires a very different kind of tempo. It's also... Um, as I believe one of my colleagues here said, uh, covering news is just very expensive. Uh, you yeah. just can't depend on the freelancers t- to write a story about how to grow green beans in your backyard. Um, <laughs> and I, 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 I don't say I'm saying disparagement because I'm right. an Iowa native myself. I'm from Sioux City. But um, but uh, you simply can't assign that kind of stuff in advance. And if you're going to cover the Iraq War, and if you're going to cover Afghanistan, if you're going to cover hurricanes uh, all all over the country, it, it's uh, it's expensive and requires a very deep bench of talent, which the, the time titles have been known for having had for a long time. I also think that um, you just have to go back 
you know, 20 years or so back to the AOL deal, which um, which involved time, which was uh, still remains one of the biggest disasters in merger and acquisition history, and just a series of missteps, especially on digital, that have bedeviled time and its other titles. And this is what happens when you make a series of bad decisions like that. Rick? Yeah, I'll disagree just a little bit with Stephen. I think your point's well taken. There's nothing special about reading Better Homes and Garden or whatever online. Uh, Meredith has been very successful at making money in digital, and they were uh, doing things for their advertisers uh, back in the early 2000s that have worked well. Um, they've kind of a little bit moved on from that. Um, they aggregate their and then split up their audiences in, in ways that are very appealing to advertisers. So that's potentially a plus for the time title uh, time titles but you know absolutely i agree with both of you that uh they'd have to hire a lot of talent um uh to play in that field so steven does this mean that uh this deal that uh, the elements that are already a part of meredith they gain more from the addition of, of time and sports illustrated and fortune instead of the other way around where the the out the the times and sports illustrated gain from the other elements that are already in the meredith family um you know to to, to a journalist I, I i look at time as the crown jewel and as the other guests have mentioned, you know, that jewel has, um, is not shining as brightly as it ever did before. Um, you know, you know time, time has a couple of, of, um, of products, like Real Simple, um, which is a very successful magazine in, in its own right. And it's very similar to what Meredith is doing. Um, so I, I just think these are two... Uh, very different entities, and to merge them is going to be a very difficult process. You know, one issue, as I mentioned earlier, is you know, Meredith is based in Des Moines, and I have—I don't think they really have any intention of moving out right. of Des Moines. They got—they've got a total of 3,600 employees, not all based in Des Moines, but most in Des Moines. Um, you can't get anywhere quickly from Des Moines. Des Moines is—and uh, it's very interesting. Des Moines is—is is, is where the Iowa caucuses begin. Um, you know that's the most political event every four years in America. But Meredith has never has never tackled anything nearly near close to the politics of America. But the one thing we do see, Stephen, and, and I'll get the other uh, gentleman's opinions on this as well. The, we do see more crossover when you think about what newspapers are right now, and, and to a degree, I guess, magazines as well. Is that they have they have crossed over and understand that. That, that digital content, video, uh, whatever the element is, it has to be a piece uh, of the success of, of an entity right now. And so I ask that because uh, Meredith is also a company that owns a variety of local TV stations as well. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. And that's how they've made uh, a lot of money and they've diversified. They own TV. I think they own 13 TV stations at St. Louis, Atlanta, Kansas City, Portland, and Nashville. Um Absolutely. So, you know, they're diversifying, and and this is an attempt at a further diversification. Rick? Yeah, I'm sorry. I got a little interference there. I, I was going to say um, that there there may be a little bit of hidden strength in, in time, and, you know, we all see, as I mentioned to others, the uh, flight of staff and how small the magazine is compared to what it used to be. We had an exchange at our 
weekly meeting Monday where one of my young colleagues said, does anybody read Time anymore? <laughs> and my answer was, yeah, three million people do, um, including me. And uh, that's at 100, 100 bucks a year. So uh, that's some real money to build and rebuild. I, I think uh, Bill's suggestion is right that there have been all kinds of mishaps and um, the, the downsizing results. But um, – it's not uh, dead on its back the way Newsweek was, uh, say, 10 or 15 years ago. So, Bill, where do you see the, the hidden gem for, for time moving forward? I mean, I think one of the things that we've um, not quite um, addressed here is also that Meredith, as I understand it, has a lot of local TV stations in some pretty good places like Portland and Las Vegas and Nashville and Kansas City and uh, Alabama and that kind of thing. And they've, um, right now, the local TV business is actually, when you look at the broad media landscape, it's a pretty good business, especially if you're fortunate enough to have TV stations that are in states that have competitive primaries and that kind of thing. So I think, um, you know, I bring that up simply because time has struggled with many things. One of been, has been how to uh, capture more of the video, the digital video ad market, which has been seen as a more kind of a lucrative place than you know the, the kind of banner and the pop-up ads that we're all trying to get rid of on our on our uh, <laughs> browsers every two minutes. And so, uh, another possible thing would be to see if they can develop some kind of synergies, at least between some of the time properties, and their fairly substantial reach and some very good domestic markets uh, with their TV properties as well. Rick, like you said, with with time not being the same as it was 20, 25 years ago, I think uh, you know Sports Illustrated is very much the same. And they still do a variety of good reporting, but there are obviously so many more entities uh, from the sports world that are doing this type of publication uh, right now, and they're doing it on the digital format, uh, which really obviously has to be the challenge for an entity like Sports Illustrated moving forward. Sure. Sports Illustrated had had a lot of challenges. I, I've been reading Sports Illustrated since I was in grade school in the fifties, yep. and uh, you know it, it is a shadow of its former self, um, and was very much impacted by uh, first ESPN and now all of the the uh, uh, digital sites. Uh, Fortune's kind of an interesting case. Uh, I, I don't. I, th- I would guess that it's profitable, and both Fortune and Time have had a lot of success in, in uh, sponsoring events, and uh, people seem to have a, a uh, endless appetite for going to conferences and uh, talking with each other, and that's not covering the uh, advertising losses, but uh, but it's a strength as well. Well, Stephen, when you look at thinking of fortune, when you look at uh, the, 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 the world of financial news these days, there, there are certainly a variety of entities out there. It's not like it was, you know, 10 to 15 years ago between the CNBCs of the world and Fox Business and, and Bloomberg there, there are, and, and Wall Street Journal. There are so many entities out there that, that are it's just as crowded as the sports world. It is. Um, you know the, the the large question that everyone's not asking the elephant in the room is what are the cokes going to do? Um, I mean th- this is um, you know the the cokes own a fifth will own a fifth of a company of Meredith, um, and you know as Bill has suggested, Rupert Murdoch pledged he wasn't going to meddle in the Wall Street Journal when he bought the paper in two thousand two thousand and seven, and that really has not. He, he has meddled in the paper. I think we all can agree to that. Right. You, interference starts subtly, but it's always there. 
Um, it's interesting also, you know, Coke is the second largest privately held company in the nation, and this is its first major investment in a news operation. Um, I, I, I can't imagine that they're going to be, as they proclaim to be, silent partners. It doesn't happen. I mean, the, that's not what that's not the Coke's mo. Um, you know, slowly, subtly, um, I think the Coke's um, the politics will begin um, showing in in the new Time Meredith magazines. Well, let me play one final clip from uh, Walter Isaacson, who I asked that question of uh, yesterday as well. Listen to to Walter's comments. I'm not somebody who is um, waving my arms and screaming about it, but I do hope whoever owns Time magazine realizes that there is a value in this country for a sort of mainline publication that tries to find the common ground. And if you wrench a Time magazine away from being centrist or uh, trying to be open and use it for a political agenda, you've actually killed, you know, the goose. Bill, your reaction to that? Uh, it was a little hard to hear that there's okay. some interference, but, but what, I, what I took Isaacson to say was he is, he is hopeful that, that the Cokes won't exert a great deal of uh, interference here. And, and um, I am not as hopeful. I, you know, I've seen some comparisons to Carlos Slim and, and Jeff Bezos and the, the kinds of investments they've made in um, the New York Times and the, Wall, uh, and the Washington Post. Um, of course, Bezos, he actually owns it. Uh, and I've never seen much evidence either Slim or Bezos have exerted much editorial influence over those publications. But then again, they didn't come into those publications with a history of a great deal of uh, um, a great deal of, of uh, effort to influence, you know, uh, elections, the political discourse, and that kind of thing. And I think. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Having worked under Rupert Murdoch for a brief but important period of my life, I can tell you that these influences are felt not always in a direct way, in the sense that some editor comes storming down the hall and saying, why did you put that on the front page? But in a much more kind of indirect and subtle way where decisions are made, uh, big and small, that um, are nothing that you would call a blog to protest, but over time you sort of get the message that there are certain stories and certain beats and certain ways of covering things that tend to get more approval than others. And um, I think it'll be fascinating to watch how this happens if right. Meredith does hang on to some of these titles, that, like like Time and Fortune. Rick, I'll get your uh, uh, your response in just a second, but Bill, I will say, you know, when, with my time at Wall Street Journal Radio, I, I can't say that I saw any specific change there, but then again, this is an entity that no longer exists. They gutted Wall Street Journal Radio a few years ago, so maybe maybe that was the influence, uh, to say the least. Rick, uh-huh. Rick go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely with the Bill and Stephen. It's, it bears close watching, and of course, we're, we're dealing with some hypotheticals here. Do they keep it? Do they sell it? I, I would note uh, a difference uh, from Rupert Murdoch. I mean, Rupert Murdoch is a lifelong publisher. Um, the Cokes are not. That doesn't mean they won't try to influence us. For instance, Sheldon Adelson has done after he purchased the Las Vegas paper. Um, but I don't think that's a sure thing either. And and if I, I can't tell you the volume of it, but uh, they do a lot of image advertising, um, sponsoring things like Meet the Press that are not conservative at all. These are ads for you know Coke Industries is uh, making all these things we do. So they're 
they're sort of a burnishing their profile and image by being associated with news. Mm. Um, I, I think a heavy hand uh, at time might just be a miscalculation. So I'm, I'm looking for uh, grounds for optimism and maybe grasping a little bit there. Great having you all with us. Thank you, Bill, Stephen, uh, Rick. All the best to you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.